What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing? These uh, it's really interesting times since the last time we talked. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm doing I'm doing all right. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are not doing all right, and um, that that doesn't make me feel good <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um. As of when we're recording this, uh, we, like everybody, um, have basically watched the world, uh, in some instances, come together uh, against uh, racism and, and uh, police brutality and injustices across the world. And in other instances, we've seen basically the worst uh, of our societies uh, looting and causing a lot of problems. Um, it's been... Ben Wild, you know, I the other day when all that was happening in my city in Grand Rapids, you know, I was probably five minutes away from all the riots and shit that were happening in our town and just watching, you know, cop cars getting burned and buildings being looted and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of wild to see something like that happening in real time and know that it's it's not too far from your home. Uh and I know, you know, as we've seen the stats happening, uh I think this is the biggest civil rights movement we've seen in our our history as uh, as the U.S. Uh, all fifty states uh, were involved in it, as well as I think I saw eighteen countries uh, as well. So yeah. obviously, this is a, a a global issue, and it's uh, also kind of seeped into our realm of rock and metal and hardcore and so forth. Uh, I didn't know if I was going to say this. Um, we were supposed to have Corey from Norma Jean on, uh, whether to do another podcast, basically to catch up since uh, all hail had come out, which, uh, maybe the title is a little bit, uh, egregious at this point, <laughs> looking back, um, or, you know, doing basically an Instagram live like we've been doing lately. And I guess I, I actually personally didn't see it <laughs> when it happened. I sent him a text being like, yo, I, I'm sorry. I haven't, you know, shot, got back to you in the last couple of days. Been really busy. Uh, let me know what your next like week or two looks like and uh, we'll set something up. And then he was like, oh, dude, I guess you didn't see I got canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so this this whole thing, you know, not to be a bummer or not to be, you know, like everybody else who's kind of like, oh, here's how you should think or feel or, you know, woe is us or whatever. But just feel like, you know, saying nothing doesn't help. Um, that we should talk about it, uh, that, you know, this is how anything gets better. You, you kind of talk your way through problems. Um, violence isn't the answer, never has been. Um, and hopefully things will kind of get resolved. Um, but it's, it's been a, it's been a fucking week. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, I think, I don't know, this thing with Corey, um, obviously was not, uh, advantageous to anybody involved and um it's a bummer for me um it's no secret that i'm a huge fan of that band um and that dude but uh i remember texting you john earlier this week i was like well, i don't know how he's gonna get out of this one um as in, i mean he's he said some things in the past that have been very inflammatory and have caused similar reactions um but this was kind of the 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 cherry on top of the cake uh so to speak and um you know, there, there's an apology for it. Um, you can take that however you want to take that. I'm not here to make a stance on it on this podcast, uh, really. Well, no, screw it. I, I will make a, a bit of a stance. Um, he, d- dude, on a, dude, really should have used his brain before before just just blowing off. 
And I know it's hard because a lot of us use social media as an outlet um, for our feelings and, and things like that. His explanation kind of makes sense, but I, you know, in if you go back and look at dude's Twitter history, he he's you know, he's not exactly the Donald Trump of of hardcore, but I mean, he he says things people get upset, and he's gotten away with it for a long time, and I think people just got fed up with it, and um, and I I I, I totally understand why everybody's mad, and uh, it's 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 definitely hard to stand up and be a fan uh, after something like that because it's like, dude. The, this is this is not the time <laughs> uh, to to be throwing that kind of stuff up there. So not not a great move, Corey. <laughs> I had made the comment to you that uh, you know, as I was watching the riots happen, you know, outside with uh, my wife and a friend of ours who happened to be a woman as well, um, and that's important because as we're watching the riots, the two field reporters were two women, and I made the comment that I thought it was kind of fucked up that you know you had two kind of larger fellows in the studio and then you have these two kind of smaller women out you know where there's tear gas rubber bullets people breaking shit you know burning cars a lot of danger basically that it didn't seem like they should be there it should have been flipped and you know my wife and our friend agreed they kind of laughed about it like yeah that is kind of fucked up and I got ready because I was already in, in just an embroiled uh, posting mode you know basically of just like things that were I was noticing things that were kind of pissing me off and just kind of, you know, I'm not a very political person. Typically, I kind of keep those thoughts to myself. But it's kind of hard when you're literally seeing everything come to a head and you're just, you know, a rush of emotions is kind of overtaking you. And then it's like, well, this isn't necessarily about politics. This is about human rights. And this is about things that should be inherently agreed upon, uh, regardless of where you land on most of these things. And I almost sent out the thing like that comment. And then I realized before I sent it out, I had it mostly written up and I was about ready to hit like post. And then I was like, shit, someone's probably going to read this and be like, what, you're saying like women can't handle themselves in a, in a riot? You're saying that they should be tucked away because they're fragile? And then I realized like that's not what I'm saying at all. But I realized that my words could, because they're just words on a screen, that they could be construed a completely different way than how yeah. I intended them to. And in light of what was happening, that comment and that thought isn't going to help anything. So I stopped, I deleted it, and I just let it be. And it was just a, a comment between my wife and, and our friend, and you know now whoever listens to this. Um, so I might catch the shit that I didn't initially for posting it. But the point of it is, is I stronger had prevailed. I realized that what I was saying could be taken poorly, and then all I'm going to do is basically be backtracking the whole time and be like, well, it's not what I meant, and this, that, and the other. And it's like, it's just easier sometimes instead of putting yourself in that situation just to realize like no good is going to come of this. So just stop. And I think that's kind of the thing that a lot of us don't stop to do is to think like, there's my intention, but there's how this could come across because no one can hear the tone of my voice or hear me maybe explain this a little bit better than I am in a quick caption or post to garner some sort of attention. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've had kind of the same struggle in that, you know, I've been, I've been hemming and hawing about what to, what to say in, in, re in regards to all of this. And unfortunately I've just come to the conclusion that, you know, I, I don't feel like I represent the people that need to be represented very well, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and then I'm, I'm afraid that if I, if I do say something that maybe there just wouldn't have been as much thought into it. And I also don't want to come across as the kind of person that's just posting something because, um, because I have to, but I'm posting it because, um, it's sincere. because I, 
because yeah, because and it's not that I it's not that I'm insincere, but I'm I, I don't take my silence as ignorance. Take my silence as eventually I will say something, but I want it to actually mean something. Right. Um. There's not really a great segue to uh, talk about who's on the show. Um. It is Brian of Currents, their vocalist. Uh, their new record, The Way It Ends, uh, is out now as of when you're hearing this. It came out this past Friday uh, via Sharp Tone Records. I really enjoy this record. Um, Currents is kind of a, an up-and-coming band. Uh, some of you may not be aware who they are. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I think I said to the publicist, I've seen the name, don't really know much about them. Uh, you know, they are one of those bands that is on a lot of the great tours that have been going around the last handful of years, but, you know, they're usually kind of tucked away first or second of four or five on these package tours. And, you know, so in digging and checking them out and kind of going back and doing my due diligence, kind of, it was kind of cool, you know, it felt like a little bit like a discography discussion of sorts where you know i'm hearing the current thing first no pun intended and then going backwards <laughs> and i'm hearing the growth and the maturity of a band who's kind of coming into their own right now and it almost seems like now is the time to kind of get into currents if you're not already aware who they are yeah absolutely i mean they're 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 newer stuff slams uh much i don't know i i almost said much more than the old it's not like that their older material wasn't good but i i do see the growth i guess that's what i'm trying to say Almost talk my see th- th- this completely backs up what I was saying earlier. <laughs> I'll start to say something and then realize that it wasn't the best way to say it. Right. Um, all that aside, we've kind of gone on quite a bit here in the intro, so uh, let's get into my conversation with Brian of Currents, and we'll talk to you all afterwards. <laughs> have the pleasure of talking to Brian of Currents, whose upcoming album, The Way It Ends, comes out June 5th via Sharp Tone Records. How are you doing today? Yeah, we've been, um, we've been moving along. We're, we're supposed to be um, leaving for a tour in a few days, but unfortunately that's been canceled because of uh, everything going on. Uh, it's, for the, it's for the better, for sure, but it's still... Yeah, I want to say, uh, first off, congrats. The success of A Flag to Wave it just seems like everyone, like all your fans are just eating this song up with the video sitting at just under 100,000 views as of when we're talking right now, and it's been out for just about two weeks, I think. How does it feel to see another new single just reacting so well out the gate? It's been awesome. We we're really excited to put this one out because, um, like, just when we were putting the song together and like uh, listening to like mixes and stuff, I, this was always kind of like one of my favorite tracks. There's a chorus and uh, it's just like a lot of fun. I'm excited to like play it live at some point. It's gonna be sweet. Yeah, I. It was kind of interesting, you know. I know we're in the age now where basically the rollout for a record is you know, kind of expansive compared to how it used to be, you know, when I was coming up and it's like, here's your one song to get you excited about a record. Hope you like it enough to buy it. Whereas now, you know, you're kind of doing the lead off single in some instances, you know, three, four months away from the record dropping and then just kind of slowly releasing content until the record's coming out. So, you know, with given how expansive your band's sound is, how hard was it for you to plan which, you know, song was going to be the first sampling of this new record and then subsequently the songs to follow it um it, it was kind of a 
a slow decision because we had kind of been sitting on the record for like a, a, a little while, like just because the mixing process took like a long time and then we wanted to kind of get 100% before we really kind of went anywhere and released anything. But I think it was kind of a joint decision between everyone, like the band and like our team and everything was like, let's, let's put out like a really heavy guy first. Let's get, let's get that right out of the gate. You guys, it's a lot of it was kind of like we had some heavy tours planned during that time and it worked well to like come in swinging with like a really heavy song. But, um, it was also just kind of a thing of let's, let's get people going in a live setting. Like let's play something that is just going to drop people's jaws when they hear it live. And that was poverty of self. Um, we decided it just like that ending breakdown, the, the crazy blast beats. There's not a single note, like singing note in the whole song. So it was kind of for the situation that we're in. Yeah, it was, it was interesting in listening to this record. I, I kind of, you know, when we get these records, sometimes, you know, it's it's just a link. You, you can't really repeat anything or something catches you. It's a little bit harder to just kind of go back or, you know, play the one song over and over. So, you know, the kind of thing I enjoy about it is listening to a record the way I think you're supposed to, which is you put it on, you sit there with it. And when it's done, you know, you either start it over again or whatever. And something I kind of noticed in listening to this record a couple of times over the last few days of having it is just, you know, how well it really does flow. And I think a lot of it is partially to do with, you know, some of the textures you're using with, you know, the synths and the, you know, keys and stuff that you're kind of incorporating on this record. So I kind of wanted to know a little bit more of how much attention did you guys pay to the track listing on this? And do you feel that, you know, some of these elements that you're adding add to a more of a cinematic feel to it where, you know, there's constant movement is kind of the only way I could kind of articulate it as best as I could is that it just feels like it's it's moving you somewhere throughout the entirety of listening to the record. Yeah, I think a big part of how people perceive an album is in its arrangement, like how the track listing plays out. So I'm glad you kind of like asked about it because that's always kind of an important thing for us. We'll sit there and we have all these songs and you work on it for, you know, X amount of time where now you're still kind of trying to figure out the, the real identities of these tracks and like where they're going to kind of fall on the record and maybe you kind of have an idea when you're sitting there writing it and like tearing the songs apart. But once you're getting mixes back, that's kind of when we'll like take it and listen to it in different orders and, um, try to give it a little bit. And, um, what we did on the place I feel safest that I wanted to with this record was we decided we would kind of have the, you know, like a kind of a soft intro into some of the heavier, like more bombastic kind of songs and then mellow out toward the middle and then just come back in the end with some more like beat. Sorry, you kind of cut off there just at the end. Uh, what, what was that? Um, oh, it's just the idea being we have like kind of a, a, a rise and then a fall and then a rising back up so to speak. Yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of interesting, you know, I think in listening to the last couple of records and EPs and so forth you put out, there seems to be an obvious growth with each release. And, you know, even 
this sounds like a backhanded compliment, so I, I hope you don't take it as such. But with the addition of stronger songwriting on this record, as you've kind of incorporated more elements to what you're doing, what is something maybe that you would like to bring into the band sound that, you know, you maybe haven't yet, or you're starting to kind of put the foundation of figuring out how to incorporate it into your sound, but really maybe will expand upon it as you're starting to write newer material? I think it's a lot of it. So some of these more outside elements are the brainchild of Chris. So Chris, our guitar player is like the main instrumental composer for the band. Like he'll basically bang out an instrumental and send it to me. And then I'll kind of work on the vocal patterns and the lyrics and everything. And and then we'll, we'll send stuff back and forth until we're both, a lot of the more like electronic elements that have been incorporated into the band are, are of his design, like things that he's trying to experiment with. He's always working on like new sounds and always working on new ways to, um, you know, like add some flavor to the music. And so I'm kind of curious to see where he goes from this point. I think he's been experimenting more with different kind of guitar sounds and I think he's just trying to come up with things that are different than what everyone else is bringing to the table. So I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm pretty curious to see where it goes from here. You know, kind of adversely when you're, as a lyricist and the vocalist of the band who kind of has to find melodies and so forth uh, in the music, do you find it a little bit harder to maybe kind of stretch your, I don't want to say your vocal capabilities, but maybe kind of stretch what you're you would be used to doing when you're kind of adding more emphasis on on melody and structure and maybe there's a situation where you're finding that less is more actually where you want the music to kind of breathe more and not do something over it do you find newer challenges in, in kind of writing as you're progressing the sound that's a battle too for sure we i it used to be there, there's a lot to that because and, and chris will will admit to this he he doesn't for a while he, he used to not really write songs with a vocalist in mind. It would just be um, <laughs> like a structured piece of music, but it would be like, well, you could put vocals here or you can put them here or here or here or here. And it would just be, you know, pretty much everywhere in the song. And so now we have a song that has vocals on every piece of like the, the song to really like breathe or for me to breathe, you know, but um, it's something that we, are conscious of and it's something that we've been working on and we're, we're trying to find those, those places where the song can breathe and have its own um, moment without vocals or anything on it. And I feel like I've grown a little bit as far as writing melodies and, and trying to do things that complement the songs instead of just um, compete with them and just shriek on top of them because then that gets, irritating for a listener and it gets to be um excessive it can like wear you out on a song where or a record when normally you would be able to just kind of sit there and um vibe to it you you feel like things are competing and clashing and it gets too overwhelming so that's definitely something that we're trying to be mindful of especially in the future going yeah i uh speaking kind of of the future you know <laughs> looking at the band's discography it seems like you guys release music 
pretty quickly uh, over the last few years. You know, the place I feel the safest uh, followed quickly by I Let the Devil in EP. I think there was like maybe a year in between that. And I know it's just an EP, but I mean, that's still getting in, writing songs, writing a couple of songs, getting to a studio, doing it. You know, there's there's a lot of behind the scenes things that go into having to create something that you're then able to release in a timely manner. And, you know, now with this new record coming out, I, I kind of wonder, do you guys just constantly write or are you just able to get hyper focused when you know you need to write and bang it out really quickly? It depends. And I, I feel like we'll we'll know more once we do the process more. But it's kind of varied every time. Um, with Place I Feel Safest, it was um, we had almost seemingly infinite time to like get things going like we knew we had to have a record ready to to go but we we wrote it over the course of like well over a year some of the songs on place i feel safest were like two years old before they even you know were recorded in a studio let alone released out to like people so it was you know there was less pressure it was more just make it good it doesn't matter like we'll take our time with it and um it felt there were eyes on us and we felt like it was um you know we we had to get it done not not it still came out very naturally and i think it it turned out super well but there was definitely a, it felt like a pressure on this one of like we we have to make something and it's let, let's get it done because we want it and we feel like other people want it and um so it was kind of a thing of all right we have to hyper focus here and um not try not to think about it too much and just make something that we think is cool and fine tune it later, you know, once we get into like the, the final stages. Right. You know, do you, something we kind of focused on, on this podcast is kind of the ever changing music industry and the landscape of how things are released, how fast everyone is putting something out or creating content to keep fans engaged in the interim of putting out another record or whatever. Do you feel that this kind of formula you seem to have fallen into of, you know, a record and then an EP or a single or whatever, do you feel that this gives fans something new more frequently that allows you to keep their attention in kind of the otherwise ADD nature of the world we live in, as well as allowing you to kind of be a bit more experimental and not having it come across so drastically as, you know, well, three years ago they put out a record and then I don't know where this sound came from, but like you're able to kind of slowly introduce these, these new elements to the fans as well. Yeah. Well, I feel like you, you adjust to what you need, right? Like we were in a situation where, so I, we had this EP. I let the devil in, right? It was a short EP. It, it was, I think like it was like four or five songs. And, um, right. We put that out after the place I feel safest was released and it was. And so I think it was kind of a thing of, we, we felt we needed to release music at that time and we were ready to release music, but just not a full record. We were like, people are interested. People know who we are now. Let's capitalize on that. Get these songs out there because we think that they're really cool. And we think that they would add value to people and that it would do well for us to get music out to everybody while everyone is paying attention. And I think that was the best choice that could have been made. And it was, it fit everyone's needs and it was a, a win-win for everybody. And so I think you just kind of take it based on 
your your needs and and your priorities like after this record who's to say when we're going to go into the studio again or when we're going to release music again or start seriously writing we're always writing but um it's just one of those things where this is what we're doing now and we determine our needs you know at a later time once it it becomes more clear but i feel like our whole experience in this world has kind of just been going with the flow of things and, and adjusting to what is best for the band. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just been kind of interesting. Like, you know, I think the first time I really ever noticed a band kind of adopting that formula was the used, you know, they did a really good job of, you know, they put out their first record. Then they have the maybe memories DVD, which had, you know, some extra songs on it. Uh, in B-sides and so forth. Then, you know, they put out in love and death. Then they put out another like, you know, DVD with some B-sides and so forth. Like they always kind of seem to have that thing to tide fans over just when maybe like, you're like, Oh yeah. Uh, I don't have anything new by this band or maybe I'm forgetting about them now in favor of something else. It's like they, they constantly give you something to keep you coming back to them and keep them in direct line of sight of their fans. And I think that's really interesting. And I'm, feel like that's kind of where the industry goes now because you're starting to see people favor more singles and, you know, more so in, I would say, like, the the hip-hop industry, you know, mixtapes and so forth, where it's just, let's just churn out a song. And, and I know it's a little bit harder when you're not just outsourcing your material, your music and so forth, but it is one of those things where it just kind of makes me wonder if eventually we'll start seeing rock and metal kind of following that trend where it's like, yeah, I, I mean, Bring Me's kind of doing it, but, you know, doing the thing where it's like, People aren't listening to full records typically, so let's try to capitalize on dropping something and maintain our touring business, which is where we as the individuals in the band stand to make the most money. And it just kind of seems like that's sort of maybe where the industry's going, but I just don't know if like bands are kind of thinking in that way as well to kind of get ahead of a, a potential trend or a change in the how they have to go about things. Yeah, it's funny you say that too, because I feel like um, releasing music a lot of times will coincide with tours. Like, for example, we had Second Skin and we had Poverty of Self, right? And those songs, so Poverty of Self, we released right before a tour with August Burns Red. And then um, Second Skin, we released right before a tour with Silent Planet. And so it's like, you you can kind of, a whole record to play with. And we didn't we didn't announce the record until we had a flag to wave. And that was kind of the plan was like, we're going to we're going to lead with one of our strong singles when we go to release the the album but we can put songs out to tie people over and to um generate excitement for us playing a new song live on a tour you know like it works out it's like here you come to this sh- and staying busy and if you come and see us you get to hear this song live before other people you know yeah it's kind of weird you're almost seeing at least I'm noticing this, it seems, and I don't know if it's more on a, those, I don't want to call them mid-level bands, but they're, they're bands that are, they tour around the U.S. and so forth and maybe do light uh, international touring, but they aren't a big name yet. They're not, like, signed to labels or anything, but I'm starting to notice that they do, like, this whole release, like, here's our new song, and here's, like, the merch line that goes with it, and it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of adopting what, you know, hip-hop kind of has been doing with everyone having their own clothing brand and so forth. So it's it's been interesting to see the adopters who are kind of getting in on this. And, you know, I'm like I said, I'm starting to kind of see the label system upside of things kind of going that route too. But I just, 
I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time to be, you know, I'm almost, I'm in my mid thirties. So it's like seeing how much the industry has changed from when I was growing up as a kid, where, like I said, you know, it's like, oh, you get one single and I hope it's good enough to, to make you want to buy this full record for 20, 25 bucks. And now it's like, you know, you, you almost are back to what it used to be when the industry started way back in the, you know, 50s and so so forth where it's it's about singles and you're driving a single and it's not necessarily about an album thing because everyone can buy their music a la carte now yeah have like a, a a band or something and they're putting a record out and then half the record's already out by the time the album's out you know like yes. they've released five yeah. or six singles you know which i i really don't think there's anything wrong with that I, it's i you know without being I, you don't really want to blow your load i guess i i hate that yeah. phrase but you know <laughs> i just i i hate that phrase what it is is if if someone has a, a better way of saying that let me know but you don't want to like have a situation where you you lose the excitement and you lose a lot of the intrigue of releasing a record and i i feel like a lot of pop it works because you have a record you i keep thinking of um billy eilish and um mm, yep she was it was just single, single, and so what the her most recent record is I think her first one, right? No, she had a record out before that. Uh, wasn't I? Don't remember it really spurning any like big critical singles or anything like that that you would have heard on active top forty radio. But it was still very much like kind of the the album, the precursor, obviously, to what their this record was. Um, where I think they perfected kind of what they were trying to do on that first record. But I mean. I think it was maybe a year, year and a half between those releases. So it's not like it was, you know, she had been around in the underground for like five years or something. Yeah, still like super young. But as a, yeah, and yeah. she was she was still when she started was like super young anyway. But the the idea being, or like a Drake, where you have, yeah. you know, they release like five songs that are off the record, or they release none of them. But it doesn't really matter because there's maybe like twenty songs on the record. Like I feel like the the, yeah. the scale of of records in pop world is listing is is usually they they have significantly more songs than like your typical metalcore band that's gonna have maybe like ten or twelve songs on a record it te- like thirteen at like the max you see a re- like a metalcore record with more than thirteen songs yeah. you, it's insane you know yeah it's it's one of those but like I said that's the difference between just going to a producer paying them for a beat or for basically a whole song in some instances and all you got to do is put your vocals over it and now boom now you're done it's like it's not like having to get in a room with five other people and create everything from scratch and then perfect those over time and then you know get them on record and then go tour on it completely different industries and it's really interesting to just see how completely different they are like I love pop rap and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, metal is what I'm more known for, but I think just industry wise, it's, it's so interesting to see what everything's doing and how, like I said, you're starting to see these underground bands kind of adopting the hip hop scene and culture of how they're doing stuff. I mean, Drake in is a great example. I mean, that dude learned from Lil Wayne to basically just always be in the studio, say yes to seemingly every feature you get offered. So you're just always on the charts and you're constantly making your money from features. You got your clothing line. You, I mean, he dipped into alcohol. I don't know if he's still making it, but I mean, it's like he is so diverse with everything he does that if one thing isn't hitting, then that's okay. I got nine other lanes I've created for myself. And it's more about a brand than it necessarily is about the music, even though the music is one part of 
that avenue of his brand. And I, I don't know. I mean, you're st- I feel like you're starting to see that more, you know, with, I mean, back in the early 2000s, just every metalcore dude had a clothing line. And, you know, it was one of those things where you started seeing people trying to become more business oriented and, and kind of taking in what was going on in other musical landscapes. And I don't know, it's just it's interesting now to kind of see it happening again in a completely different medium where, like I said, it seems to be more singles based. And then here's the clothing line for that single. I mean, Code Orange is doing it right now. Like they're doing all these live streams and they're selling merch around the quote unquote live stream event that's specific to that. And I'm like, wow, that's so fucking wild to see because that's not like no one's doing that. And to to have merch to be like, yeah, I watched the YouTube live version of this concert or whatever, or this this live stream, like that's that's fucking wild to me. And they're selling boatloads of these items because people want it because it's a it's a supply and demand of a rare thing and a, in a really weird, interesting time. And I don't know, I just I think that's kind of the interesting thing about doing these interviews sometimes is talking to people about how they're they're traversing everything because now you now you're you're a business. You basically have to pay attention to these things. And I know it all started because you like music, you like singing, you like playing with your friends, but now you have to become versed in marketing. You have to understand, you know, production budgets and, and all these other things that have nothing technically to do with making music, but you have to learn. And to me, it's interesting to see that I think that those that survive and have long careers are the ones that start realizing they have to know all these things and be more active in their own band outside of just the music part. Yeah. The more, you know, the more you thrive really. And I, I feel like the code orange is a great example of that where, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's genius because it's something that maybe it's not particularly easy for them to go in there and make a live stream concert. But once the infrastructure is there for them to do that, then uh, there you go. Boom. Now you're doing it. And then, um, having merch on the side that you're, you're selling specific to that event. Also genius, like great. It's, it's not super hard for you to go in and just make a pre-order of, of like a cool design for something and then send it out when it's ready to somebody. And there it is that you have something there to offer people that, um, is, pretty like pretty safe bet for you and for the the person who wants it so that's super super smart so i i didn't even know they were making like merch particular that's crazy but uh you have success in this world or really anything that you really put your mind to you just you just have to apply yourself and know what options there are for you and it, it makes life so much easier yeah yeah. So, I mean, I know we're, what, as right now, almost two months away, about a month away, roughly, because um, we're at the turn of the, from into May, but, so you got about a month before this record comes out officially, and who knows what we're going to be looking like as far as what's open, what's not open, but with, you know, everything kind of going the way it is, are you guys at least discussing maybe alternative plans to celebrate the release of this record if the stay-at-home ordinances and so forth are still in effect yeah it's it's a thing of we 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 were going to release and i feel like we we're in a position where enough people knew about it and we had had it ready for so long that uh pushing it back would just seem like not genuine in our in our particular situation and i i don't judge people for like pushing 
back releases and, and all that stuff because it, it, it makes sense. But for, for us, it just didn't make sense. And uh, we definitely do want to make a plan to celebrate in some way. Um, we're still trying to navigate this whole scenario just as everyone else is. And so we're going to just take our, our time with it and, and see what makes sense for us and hopefully come up with something unique that um, works for everybody and makes our fans and listeners happy and, um, you know, tides everyone over until we can finally get out there and these songs for everybody. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just been, it sucks. You know, I don't want these to be so heavy handed on, you know, the situation we're in, but it's also one of those things I feel like it's just so unprecedented, you know, what it's done to the world, but I mean, to the industry, I mean, festivals and, and everything is just shut down and I've never seen anything like it. So it's almost like you feel disingenuous to not at least talk about it a little bit. So at least you almost have this for this, not nostalgia sake, but for more of like a, a snapshot of the time we're in and how people were dealing with it. So it's just one of those where, you know, I think it's breeding a lot of creativity as you're seeing with code orange and some of these other people. And, um, you know, a lot of bands started doing the empty, uh, arena or empty, uh, venue concerts, uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, people are getting more adventurous. I know Travis Scott just did a virtual concert, I think in Fortnite or something. So, I mean, you're, you're starting to see, interesting clever ways that people are able to still experience quote-unquote live music in a not live setting um so it's kind of interesting to see if this is going to change you know the landscape of touring even though that'll never be replaced by not going to a show physically but you know some people as you get older or have kids and can't afford to to go out to a show with babysitters and so forth this might become a, a, a serious alternative option for some people and it's interesting just to kind of think about what that may look like in the next year or two after this is all done a, uh, a thing I, I think it will be yeah definitely like another option for people who are not able to make it out to concerts and, and all that um, I can see virtual concerts and, and live streams and live sessions being a much more pre prevalent thing especially like going forward after this because I things happen and have it be of you know quality to get out to people and, and have it be worth listening to uh, I think it's going to breed a lot more ingenuity and it already has like we already see it like with with everything we've been discussing today but yeah I could see things maybe being a blend of of how it used to be and a little bit of some of the yeah, I I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I I mean, this whole thing, I mean, like it did to a lot of people, but with me doing this, uh this whole thing couldn't have come at a worse time when I had so many festivals I was going to interviews lined up and it just kind of shot everything right in the ass. So, uh I know it's exponentially worse uh for the touring industry uh given the fact that's how you make your money. But um all of that said, um you know, where can people find you or the band and uh, anything else maybe you want to plug that you have coming up? I don't know if you guys are doing much in the way of like Instagram live things or, or any of these kind of things, but um, I don't know anything you would like to plug. Yeah, we're so some of the first steps that we've taken, we are doing a weekly kind of newsletter. We, we haven't done that yet for the band for whatever for it on our website. That's currentsofficial.com. And you just go to the bottom of the page. And there's a little thing. You just put your email in there and boom, you're getting our uh, our weekly updates. 
but um you know and we're going to use that to kind of uh spread info on like live streams interviews that go up um potential shows later down the road that'll um hopefully you know like we just 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 things we're going to use it to kind of get information out to everybody. We are going to be doing something called sound rink live. It's going to be oh, okay. next Wednesday. I think at 8 PM. I have to get like the, uh, official confirmation on that, but we are going to be doing that and we're going to set it up. So it'll be all five of us on like a little stream and it's going to be on Twitch, YouTube live. And I think Facebook all at the same time through like, um, interface and, um, We'll have like a little link to our merch store and like a donation link. We're going to be donating to Music Cares and Hope for the Day. So, um, you know, there'll, there'll be a little donate tab or you could pick up like a T-shirt from us or something, really whatever you want to do. But it'll just kind of be like a chill sesh, answer some questions, hang out, probably drink some beer. It'll be it'll be great. Well, uh, thanks again for uh, taking the time to chat. Uh, looking forward to hopefully <laughs> everything happening and you guys being able to get on the road uh you know like you said some of these some of these songs are gonna be bangers when you get to play them live and uh be interesting to be in a room and, and see you know i like watching crowds react to songs and so forth you know i'm one of those that takes it all in so definitely think there's some parts on here that have strong merch uh abilities to uh you know be anthems and, and slogans and stuff on shirts so i'm, I'm excited to kind of just take in the whole show experience again and uh looking forward to hearing these songs live whenever that happens and you guys are coming back around yeah, for sure. I I hope it's soon, man. I we're we're all like we're dying to get out there, but um yeah, until then, we're just going to try to stay busy and we'll keep everyone posted on what's going on and I hope, you know, everything goes well for you, if you stay safe and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You as well. Thank you for taking the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, for sure. So that was my conversation with Brian from Currents. You're going to hear Dan sound a lot better cuz uh we just got right into Kind of current events, and Dan forgot to turn on his <laughs> recording software. So I did, I did. That's that's all me. So my bad. So now Dan will sound a lot better than like he usually does. But uh, after recording this, uh, Dan had some internet technical difficulties and was not able to send me his track over. So Dan actually sounds the same. So it's not that uh, we didn't do this correctly. <laughs> we just figured that we were going to have the track. And now back to the way things were. You know, everything we were talking about was so sincere and, and kind of you know, from the heart that we didn't want to go back through and redo it or try to redo it, uh, that would feel a little bit disingenuous. So, uh, just kept the audio as, as you heard it. Um, all of that said, you know, this was kind of an interesting chat, um, and really kind of informed a little bit more of my conversations moving forward. You know, toward the end there, we we're talking about the music industry kind of dealing with COVID and, you know, how things are going to go, what bands are doing, whether they're going to push their record, you know, back, whether they're going to do interesting things to kind of promote the album release date, you know, whether it be a live stream or a live Q and A or, or whatever. And, you know, this carried over into my Instagram live with Blasco uh, from this past weekend at the, as of when we're recording. And it, it's, it's really interesting to hear and see who's paying attention to kind of what's going on. You know, Blasco and I kind of basically were like, I think Suicide Silence has kind of won this whole how to traverse this. You know, they're doing a quote unquote tour. I think it's 30 days and 30 dates in 35 days. And yeah. what they're doing is basically staying in their practice space doing a show and then I think a live Q and a, but they're like geo targeting it to specific markets and you have to buy a ticket to go to it and all that kind of stuff. And then 
you know, when it's done, it's done. And then they're doing that for all the other cities and so forth. And I think it it takes what Code Orange did, you know, being one of the first bands to do the empty uh, venue show and yeah. taking it to the next level, at least right now, for what bands are able to do currently. And, you know, something I have kind of stressed, you know, and was kind of stressing in this toward the end of the chat with Brian is just the ingenuity. I feel like that's kind of what this has been breeding is bands who will probably stick around are thinking outside the box yeah absolutely it's it's as if it wasn't hard enough to navigate the loss of physical album sales uh physical (laughs) venues now are gone yeah not now venues are gone you can't tour you can't uh you can't sell physical copies of things to people um and there's there's a minefield of current events and issues that have to be addressed yeah i you know it's it's just been it's been interesting it's just been so interesting to talk to some of the bands and interviews that we've been doing you know, even Dan kind of in the, the chat with uh, Brock from 36 for Discuss Metal, you know, him kind of talking through, you know, what they're doing because, you know, Brock has a radio <laughs> show and he's talking to, you know, their mayor every so often and kind of getting updates and just kind of hearing how everyone's trying to figure out what to do. You know, some people are taking the time to write new music. Some people are figuring out ways to interact with fans uh, more one on one. Some people just aren't doing anything. And it's some people are going the opposite route. Like, you know, you're starting to see like Ronnie Radke and Phil from all that remains doing more video game streams and Twitch and stuff like that. And it's just been interesting to see, I think who's willing to adapt and how they are willing to adapt to the current situation versus those that are like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's hard because like, you know, you're, like this is just my personal opinion. I feel like it's wrong to not react, um, which is funny because I just spent the far, the whole intro trying to justify not reacting. Um, it's it, but I feel like it's wrong to not react. But I also think it's wrong to criticize <laughs> if you do react. Um, and so yeah, these are these are hard. I mean, I think describing it as a minefield is pretty much the best way I, I can do it because I, I do think that um, I do think that we all obviously want we all want this change you know we, we all want to see we don't want to see the world keep going on like it's going on no um we don't want we don't want people being killed because of the color of their skin and certainly not not by authority figures um and that's it's kind of like uh it's kind of like in captain america though it's kind of like a hydra you know you can cut one head off of the hydra and when you cut it off three more heads appear you know um, that's, th- that's the hardest part about all of this is, you know, um, y- y- we're trying to change a corrupt system that's corrupt all the way down to its roots. Um, and I, I, people criticize the methods that are happening. People quest, people are questioning the riots and, and, and all of that. But I mean, how, what else are you supposed to do? Going through official means isn't going to help if the official means are corrupt. So, I mean, I, I'm sorry if that's divisive for anybody, but that's just, <laughs> that's just how I feel. Like, I, I just don't, uh, the, the people that are just sitting on Facebook complaining about how horrible, uh, how horrible it is that personal property is destroyed. Um, I, I feel like aren't really looking at the, uh, aren't really looking at the whole picture and, and they're not understanding the whys of how we got here. I mean, the biggest destruction of personal property, in your fucking life. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it's just, it's just so backwards, you know? Um, these people that are complaining about getting haircuts or complaining about not being able to get haircuts 
and and complaining about you know not being able to go to the bar after work and stuff and you know sent protesters to their capitals with guns those people didn't get didn't get beaten they were holding they were holding assault rifles they 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 weren't holding signs or they were holding signs but yeah can i just tell you like as as kind of fucked up as it is to say this it's really shitty that a city like an hour from where i live is sort of what spurned a lot of this shit yeah you know like infuriating it is to be like oh fuck like we're we're the the basis of a lot of the well this happened and no one fucking did anything and the president lauded them for for protesting and standing up for what they believe in and then a matter of a week and a half two weeks later or however long it's been because it's so hard to actually keep track of time during all this it then is like, well, no, this protesting of people who are mad and outraged that this keeps happening for the last 30 fucking years, don't do that. And it's like, but they're they're also not bringing assault rifles and demanding shit. They are demanding shit, but they're not demanding it with like, here's a gun that sh- I shouldn't even fucking, uh, I'm not even going to open that can of worms. But so regardless, sorry, can of- yeah, like- re- regardless, it just sucks that it's like the thing that happened an hour or so away from me is is what's been used as the model of like this was acceptable and now this is not deemed not accept or uh, deemed not acceptable and it's it's just uh it's a lot different I feel like for me here because like like I said it it feels like Michigan as a whole sort of has a larger role in a lot of what's been happening and I don't know if that's just because how I feel about it and I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened somewhere else, but we were the catalyst because a couple of days or a week later, other cities started doing it. And it's like, well, it's kind of monkey see monkey do like nothing happened to them. So fuck it. We'll go do it too. And it's like, I hate the fact that we are the reason that those comparisons are being made. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm from St. Louis. Um, uh, (laughs) so I mean, you know, we, we, we had, we had all of this go down in Ferguson in 2014, right here in St. Louis, um, essentially, essentially, a, 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 almost the same situation. Yeah. Um, same protests, same, you know, uh, and, and, and people said the same stuff there. Like, Oh, can't, it's bad that somebody died. I mean, I actually think in a certain sense it was worse, um, with the Michael Brown thing because, um, back then everybody was debating the validity of, you know, was it murder? Was it murder? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. There were no witnesses. So, I mean, the, the only good that has come out of, of this more recent situation is we have it all on video. There's no, there's no way to misinterpret that video, <laughs> you know, trying. I know. I mean, people are trying because people suck, but like, um, you know, pe- <laughs> black people have tried to, um, have tried to solve these problems via traditional means for hundreds of years. The problem is, is whenever you go through, whenever you go through official channels, the official channels hate you and they don't want to help you. And, um, they'll, you know, you know, they, they don't perceive you as, as being a real, essentially as being a real person. And that's, that's the corruption. I didn't mean to get this, this political, this weird about it, but, um, but it, but it shouldn't be weird. It should not be weird to be talking about these things. Um, I know it's a music podcast, but I mean, here we are. We we have, we have a channel, so it's one of those things where I feel like it. I feel like it just needs to be said that this is not a. This is not some sort of perceived. Um, this is not some sort of perceived um, persecution. This is one hundred percent. This is this this is actual corruption. This is being fought. I'm sorry if it inconveniences you or ruins your day or makes you have to think about something. But um, 
these people these people are not out to inconvenience you um they're in 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 a lot of cases they are literally just trying to fight for their rights to be americans to be free and not have to be worried about getting shot because they were in the wrong place or you know suffocated while being king i think uh i think on that note i'm gonna wrap up this episode um Go pick up the new Currents record. Again, The Way It Ends is uh, out now via Sharp Tone Record. Go support them any way you can. If you would like to follow them across the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all Currents CT. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Brian, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at his name, Brian Will, W-I-L-L-E. At least I believe that's how you say his last name. Uh, or keep up with everything over at CurrentsOfficial.com. If you would like to keep up with Dan, he will tell you where he can be found. Well, after that long speech... Um... Don't email me. No, uh, <laughs> you can email me at show at gmail.com. You can always send me a tweet at Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. Um, I've got a bunch of other podcasts. Well, it's really mainly just two, Discuss Metal and Discography Discussion. Those can be found on DiscussMetal.com. And uh, there's a really sweet one uh, that we just posted with John featuring a Brock Lindau of 36 Crazy Fist. Definitely not something to miss. Um, I love it whenever somebody sits down and gives me the whole the whole shebang, the whole history of the band. So check it out. And if you would like to keep up with everything going on with this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Bruce Speak Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, hopefully you'll be rolling out with the website soon, BruceSpeakPod.com. Just putting the final touches on that. And if you would like to see some of the Instagram lives we've been doing, we have one that we just did as of when you're hearing this yesterday with Tyler Strotzel, uh, who has a new EP coming out called Dark Verses. First single uh, is out now with uh, Bjorn from uh, Soil Work. Uh, I don't know if he'll announce some of the other guests on there, so I'm not going to ruin that. <laughs> and uh, if you would like to support our sponsors uh, during all of this, uh, we have a few. I'm going to make it really short and simple. Uh, on Point Palmade, The Bean Bastard, Rockabilly.com. Uh, look in the show notes. Everything that you need to know is there. Uh, support them if you can. And we want to thank them for supporting us during all of this. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We'll talk to you all next time.